Sean say? You can get the peace sign without the middle finger. <laughs> what happened to Big Sean? I don't know. Actually, no, I heard him on... It's on Larry June's newest... You listen to Larry June? No. Like this West Coast dude. Kind of like on the same vibe as like Currency. Ooh, I like Currency. Don't leave me hanging on like you, you. Oh, yeah. Check, check, check. Hey. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun, dude. I'm excited. <laughs> Wait till the tequila starts flying. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Cinco de Drinko. Did you ever have a Casamigos? I have. Oh, yeah. I don't know about Casamigos. It's my first adventure. It's solid. Um, who's the who's the actor that's... Is it Rot? No, uh, somebody's Robert. No, it's not Robert Downey Jr. It's uh, George Clooney. I think that's his brand. Oh, I'm drinking George Clooney <laughs> tequila right now. Hey, is um, George Clooney is uh, the one that uh, the Soggy Bottom Boys? What's the name of that movie? I've no. I I'm the love worst, that movie. I'm the worst person in movies. Oh, it's. I'll come up with it, but basically, it's um, it's got one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard, and it's a uh, it's the story of the Odyssey. So it's it's George Clooney as like with his friends escaping from prison, and it's set in probably like early twentieth century, and they're like carrying out all of the different missions from Homer's Odyssey. Okay, so like. You know, in 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 Homer, they have to get away from the Cyclops. Right, right, right. Well, there's a one-armed guy that they have to escape from. In Homer, there's sirens, and right. they have to tie themselves to the mast in order to not go off with the sirens because they're so attractive. Their sound is interesting. Like, you need like a a person to be on the internet. Oh, right, right, right. What is is that? Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, or Jamie? Who is yeah, Jamie? Yeah, yeah, Joe Rogan. Glug, glug, glug. Yes, sir. Well, you did, I think, buy me at least one drink last time I was at Cobra. I hope so. <laughs> well, it had only been about 10 years <laughs> since. Cheers, man. Last time. Cheers, brother. So. What do you think? Oh, my Solid, right? God. It's incredible. Smooth. It tastes like vanilla. Yeah. Right? A little sweet. Yep. Smooth. <sighs> Not really like wow. that nasally alcohol, you know. No, I'm like, used to like feeling pain when I drink tequila. Ah, yeah, you get you, the... <laughs> is that really 80 proof? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Wow. Well, DJ Bamboo here on the podcast, Alchemical Notes. It's been too long. Way too long, man. And um, I've been so impressed with everything you put together. Thanks, dude. I've been really, really amazed at how you've pivoted from that DJ, that other Filipino DJ, <laughs> to yeah. to business owner, and now you're going on the PGA Tour, I heard. Right, right. <laughs> you, you, you know, you're the NFT guy. I mean, what can't you do? You got uh, nothing, man. I can't sing. That's probably, that's probably it. Have you been DJing more, or have you been DJing less because of all the businesses? Um, I've been practicing. I still, still got my chops. I'm just DJing less. I get to concentrate kind of more on what I want. Uh, yeah, it's cool. What What took you in that direction? Was it just financial, or you just were ready for the next thing? It was. It was COVID. A lot of it was COVID, man. Um, I mean, when the gig stopped, it was it was hard, dude. Um, so I decided to go, um, just find other outlets, build other muscles, if you will. Um, and that was, you know, design, that was business, that was, um, you know, this web three crypto kind of world. Yeah, what got you into that? And can you kind of educate me a little bit on it? Cause I'm still so like, you know, I'm, I'm like barely meta mask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what got me, my ex partner actually got me into it during COVID. We were just bored looking for things to do. Um, started investing in, uh, just through Coinbase, five bucks, 10 bucks here. 
Um, Algorand was one of like the first coins I started diving into. Yeah. Um, obviously, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Um, and then, you know, I was introduced through uh, a couple of my friends about these like digital collectibles. Um, at first, it was NBA Top Shot. I don't know if you ever heard of that. No. Um, they're basically like moments and like, um, I don't know, someone does a slam dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's like memorializing a, a part of a game. Exactly. Oh, that's um, crazy. Like somebody clips. gets posterized. Exactly. And oh, uh, cool. it's on the blockchain or whatever, and you get to rip open packs, almost like Pokemon cards or trading cards, if you will. Um, yeah, did that for a little bit, and then uh, saw these ugly pictures of monkeys come out. Yep. Faded yep. them Bor- hard. Bored ape? Yep. Faded them hard. I'm like, oh, these suck. They're terrible. Um, didn't buy them, but I did see the community that was forming. They, were, they had meetups in New York, um, LA. You know, everyone's getting together, being like, "Oh yeah," making weird monkey noises. I'm like, "Something's going on here." Um, yeah, obviously, like they're they're at the forefront of everything now. Um, Board yeah. Ape is like the most valuable. That and the CryptoPunks; those are like the OG. Yep. But yeah. So. Yeah. So is it. Is it a money making <laughs> opportunity or is it is it neutral? Is it I mean like how do you see NFTs right right now? It's a store of value. I look at it as um almost like any collectible. I was really big into Pokemon cards growing up. Um action figures, all that shit. Um Do you still have your cards or do you sell them off? Sold a lot. I actually sold a bunch of them to buy NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I still have the important ones, you know. Um, but it's just a store of value, you know, like you're buying gold, you're buying silver. Um, that's kind of how I look at it. But there is the you know, there is ways to make money. I have made, you know, a good amount of money trading here and there. Um, almost like you would stocks, you know, leverage trading, uh, or you could just hold on to them, you know, you just buy spot or whatever. Can you explain the like what an NFT is a little bit, just in case you know my mom's listening? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course. So it's a non fungible token, which means like you can't hold it, right? It's kind of in the air, if you will. Um, and these things can be uh, digital collectibles, like I said. They can be membership passes. Um, you know, I see them in the future being, uh, you know, car deeds. Um, agreements on you know properties medical records um you know this is all just you know looking forward but uh blockchain technology is really cool it's all transparent it's a really long receipt so let's say i buy a picture of a i don't know cat right um and you buy it three months after um you'll be able to see it on the blockchain yeah, yeah. I guess like the idea is anything that can end up on there eventually, like that needs to be transparent or that needs to be recorded, like it will. Something like that. Correct. Yeah. I guess you were talking about this other cryptocurrency as well. So are you mostly Bitcoin, Ethereum, or are you like do you believe in those two as as like long term investments or are you how do you see cryptocurrency? Um, as of right now, like uh, it's a pretty, we say, bear market. You know what I mean? There's not much attention. Everyone is kind of uh, making fun of the space right now. Things are down. Um, but I, I do believe in it. Um, like I said before, you know, the transparency of everything being on chain is, I, I feel like, you know, possibilities are endless. Um and yeah, yeah, Bitcoin, Ethereum, I'm super, super uh, optimistic, we say, in, in the Web3 space, bullish. Yep. Super bullish on. Um, yeah, and that's, like I said, just store of value instead of a, you know, which is probably smart, just putting in a savings. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't trust banks at the moment. Um, yeah, who would? Right. We saw another one, I think, another West Coast bank go down today, right? Absolutely, yeah. So what about like you know the other coin like the meme coins you know um shiba inu uh um dogecoin right same same deal also excited um yeah i mean i've 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 bought and traded shiba um doge there's this new one right now called pepe which is fire i just bought a bunch maybe like a week ago 
Uh, <laughs> um, but, it's, but but he's it's hot potato. At the end his of the day. Um, IP is owned, I think, by somebody else. Correct. Which yeah. that there, that is sketchy there. So it's, you know, eyes eyes are always on the charts and you know on the streets on Twitter, just waiting for the waiting for the signal. I think. Um, the Twitter piece is, is significant because, you know, I just had Femi on the podcast on Wednesday. Her partner, um, Wade yep, is my guy, you know, very interested in, in this whole community and this whole movement. Web three, I guess is one way of describing it. Yep. And the, the piece that I took away from it, there were a couple things, but one thing I do after I have these podcasts is I listen to them because I have to edit them. And when I was going through and taking away all the different individuals, all the different references that had been made over the course of the conversation that I had with her, I noticed that every single one of the artists that she'd referenced was on Twitter. That every single one of these up and coming young hip hop artists had a Twitter, and not only did they have one, it wasn't just that it existed, it was that they were active within the last week. They were active within the last month. They were using it, had great follower followy ratios, and it just seemed like I thought Twitter had completely died. And and this conversation, I think, really changed that a lot. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter is a wild monster now. Um, I don't know if you remember Clubhouse back in the day. Where people would yep. be like uh, just vocal interactions. Um, they kind of Twitter has this same kind of thing. It's called Spaces. Yep. Um, I hosted yeah. a bunch, you know, back in the day. I really don't have time anymore, but you know, I was a Spaces host, if you will. Um, and they're cool, man. You interact with these people from across the globe um, for the same. You know, you guys are very optimistic in the same space, and you know, uh, you get together and just talk. I mean, we'll talk. Obviously, we'll talk crypto nfts you know making moves or whatnot but also just personal stuff man mm. um and it really helps uh me personally I, at that time when i got through it I, I was going through a breakup you know i was lonely whatever and that was my that's how i made friends and that's how i kept a connection with the other human beings you know um and it's cool and you end up meeting these people i, I go to a bunch of meetups i went to i think it was this time last year there was nft nyc um big Big meetup. Um, I went to this thing called Ape Fest, which is the, what the board apes throw. It's a festival, man. Um, saw like the Roots opened up for Future. Like, what do what? you what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean the board apes threw it? Who who uh, are the board apes? So it's this their umbrella company is Yuga Labs, um, and Yuga Labs owns all the top projects that so your CryptoPunks, your board apes. Um, there's like this thing called MeBits. They're like little pixelated characters um but yeah they they threw that um and your nft your board ape or whatever was your pass into that festival if you will whoa so you had to own an ape in order to go that or i got a plus one from a homie but yeah wow so it's almost like yeah so it's it, it becomes your your avatar or like your persona in some way because i've seen people have them as their twitter biopics as well right 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 yeah it does some people do um just take it and uh you know use that ip if you will um build a character around it i have a homie uh nana who his uh his ap is named millie meditate you know um and you know you could stick them on a, a can of water you could make you know marijuana products whatever and that's your character you know what i mean and it's tied to you, but also, you know, the bigger umbrella of Board Ape, Yuga Labs, whatever. But not anybody can just make one. I can't make my own ape and have it be me. In in the space, yeah, that's kind of a kind of a no no, um, because you can trace it back, right? Uh... I can I can look up, I can reverse Google search this ape that you just came up with and be like, oh, this doesn't exist, or oh, this belongs to another person. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So so do you have one now or no? I do not. You have other like other types of NFT community things. Right. right. Kaijus? Yeah, uh Kaiju Kaiju Kings, what else? Sappy Seals. 
Yeah, yeah, you've been posting the seals, and you could make them your little watch background too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the only reason why you got an Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah, well, it's cool. I think um, there's a couple of reasons. You know, I have a lot of patients who fall, and I talk to them a lot about Apple Watch and the technology and the opportunities there. Yeah. You know the the thing we used to have was a a necklace with a button. The help and I fall and I can't get up. That that thing exactly, yeah. but it doesn't help because if you're past, you know, if you syncopize, you're yeah, you're not yeah. conscious, right. so it's not helpful. And and Apple has really, I think, created a really interesting product in that they have this false sensing technology where they can just automatically dial nine one one. There's diseases like progressive supranuclear palsy, which is an atypical Parkinsonism that's defined by early falls. It's like what we learn is people fall. That's what makes the disease what it is. And now we have something to at least offer. I mean, it's not covered by insurance. You it's know. Still, still cool, though, man. It's still something. really cool, yeah. Yeah, so I like that idea. I, I'm sure somebody, you know, somebody else will come along and copy it, but maybe for the best, you know. Maybe, right. maybe it'll be good if we get more people on this. The... Um, I think the big one they were advertising was like the biker. It was like, it was a mountain biker maybe who had fallen out on a trail and they okay. were able to triangulate his location yeah, and yeah. rescue him. That's, yeah. That's amazing, man. Uh, so uh, my thing is I can't wear it every day because I like watches. I don't, same, same. You know, you know I want to wear a watch. Yeah. <laughs> no, same. Um, I'm actually in like kind of the, no Apple Watch Club right now, just because I don't know. It's telling me a lot, and it, you're right. It is useful for certain things. I used it to track my sleep. I have sleep apnea, so you know it's good for um, just keeping track of you know how I'm doing, how much sleep I'm getting. Um, but at the same time, sometimes I just want to look at my wrist and just see the time. Absolutely, especially with analog. For me, it's it's important to have something on my body that's not connected to the internet somehow i think having something with with a you know not necessarily a battery but with stored kinetic energy and like solar charging my watch in tulum was cool and then since you're talking about health i have to bring something up today i diagnosed myself i figured out a major problem i had a major breakthrough today what what happened so i've had this weird neck pain for the last, since my daughter was born, since November, off and on, just came and came and went. It was like, um, you know, I think when I was sleeping at the hospital, I thought maybe I had like a crick in my neck because of like, you know, I don't know if you know how it works at the hospital when you're in the birthing suites or whatever, but it's not exactly comfortable. Okay. Uh, you know, I was sleeping on like a little group W bench of like hard, hard, uh, it's like the, the gym mat, you know right, what I'm saying? right, right. And, uh, and so I figured that's what it was. And I was like, all right, I'll just see what happens. Wait, wait it out, whatever. It, it got better. And I forgot about it. Sent a message to my PCP. It was like, Hey, I have this thing. Like, he's like, give me a call next week. We'll talk about it. Phone tag. Never got, you know, never got through. Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Eventually, you know, I was thinking maybe it's a lymph node and some kind of like infection, whatever, but it didn't correlate with my infections because I had a couple colds and it, it didn't, you know, it didn't match up. Sialolithiasis. Oh, man. You need to break it down. It's a submandibular salivary gland. So we have salivary glands under the angle of our jaw, the angle of the mandible here, and then under the tongue. That's, there's also one in the cheek called the parotid. So there's three salivary glands. And this is the one that's 90% of the stones form in the one under the angle of the jaw. And it starts in men from like 30 to 50. There you go. Boom. Interesting. I need to turn my... Boom. Oh, sorry. Let's keep sorry. We can, the soundtrack. What, <laughs> what's, the, what's the name of the thing that on radio shows where they, they mash the button and it kind of, um, you know, you can play something, play some music. What's it called? Like the Eight, four, sample four, buttons? Four, oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's also a really cool one for Twitch that can, or for OBS, where you can change the scenes. So I can, I could switch between us by hitting like a, a hot key here so that people could see the 
different two of us live. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. It's a, what are those little things, like a roadcaster or something? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something like that. I was talking to, um, I went to a thing with Selecta, because you know he's kind of big into the live streaming. And they, he was talking about which, which one to buy. So we'll see. Yeah, that's cool. That's a whole nother art, man. That's something that I kind of wish I dove into during, uh, you know, lockdown or whatnot. I kind of, like we said before, made that pivot, but uh, that's a whole nother art form when it comes to DJing, man. It's so cool. I'm pretty sure you made the right call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about uh, Lumpia Larry's. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, that's a little pop-up shop I'm doing, Filipino street food. Um, speaking of Web3 and whatnot, I use one of my NFTs as the logo. Um, this little purple alien dude. Oh, cool. I was wondering what that thing was. Um, yeah, man. Um, just did... Actually, it's not just now. It was the beginning of the year. Did a pop-up at Cobra um, on New Year's Day with Honcho. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Honcho is like the hot mask guys, like Aaron and um, somebody else. Yep, yep. That's awesome. We were talking about them. Who was I talking about them with? Um, oh, this one guy I work with at, at UPMC. It's like uh, he, he's a performer sometimes at Hot Mass. And we were talking about it. That's what's up. So you've where have you done it so far? Um, just just there so far. Um, looking actually as we speak, a bunch of meetings this past couple week. Um, past couple weeks about um new locations. Um, there's a bunch of restaurants in town that, you know, do uh, pop-ups on days that are closed. So, yeah, just shopping around, trying to see what fits the brand, what fits the vibe, and, yeah, it's going from there. Tell me about the food itself. Like, what it, what exactly is it? Uh, so, it's, it's Filipino street food. Basically, um, one of my taglines is uh, no frills, all feels. So, it's, uh, you know, we do this... Uh, egg roll if you will it's a very skinny egg roll with a different wrapper it's like a flaky wrapper to call that lumpia um that could be filled with ground pork vegetables uh i did a, a reuben lumpia which is fire mm. um just corned beef swiss cheese a little bit of sauerkraut um i have a you know a philly one which is just uh shredded beef and american cheese yeah i'm um, trying to feed into the American taste palette in a vessel that is still true to Filipino street food. I love it. There was a uh, f- amazing food truck in South Florida, which was called, um, let me see, uh, they had Philly cheesesteak egg rolls or something, something like that. Okay. Like they had all these different egg rolls that were like included, like one was a Philly cheesesteak. I know that and incredible, incredible yeah, vibe. Yeah. W- do you want to do a food truck? Would you think about it or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that has been a goal of mine for a really long time, actually. And this this street food thing is kind of a a little side quest, if you will, to my <laughs> overall goal of uh, doing like Filipino fine dining. Yeah, yeah. That, it'll be the next restaurant after Cobra. Like you'll get somebody to to manage Cobra full time, and then you'll be able to like start the next kind of right venture. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's Filipino food's really popping in like your New York, your LA's, your Miami's, um, and I kind of want to be the person that spearheads that movement here. I love it. Um, I had one of the best, I think probably the best Christmas of my entire life at Bonnick's place, eating Filipino food all day, all night, just w- being woken up at four o'clock in the morning to the smell like, of hey, pork you? and <laughs> fried rice, and just and literally it was it was there was food. 24 seven. There was no part of the three days that I was in Philadelphia. No part of the day of any day. Was there not food, fresh, ready, delicious, incredible, just to be eaten in it. Not, none of it was anything I'd had before. It was all like something else. And I think the, you know, the Asian food experience of this Midwestern Jew (laughs) was so limited in scope, you know, just growing up on this Americanized Chinese thing without right. any exposure to anything else. Maybe a little Thai, if you're, you know, lucky, you right. get a little, uh, you know, a little pod Thai, but that's it. You know, it's like general so and pod Thai, we got to get beyond this. Right, right. This frame, right? Oh, yeah. 
No, yeah, and that's that's the cool thing with Filipino cuisine um, is kind of the culmination of everything. So, like, the history with the Philippines is, you know, we were conquered by Spaniards and whatever, you know what I mean? And uh, a lot of that food um, has stayed there. Um, you know, we have, a, we do the whole roast pig, lechon. Spanish people know about that, you know what I mean? A lot of our language is still Spanish, you know, chair in Tagalog, which is like the main Filipino language is Sia. It's the same thing in Spanish. Mm. Um, and the cuisine too. Uh, yeah, we've empanadas, you know what I mean? Like what kind of Asian culture has empanadas, dude? Like it's nuts. <laughs> um, so it's like it makes a Spanish, a lot of Cantonese influence um, just because, you know, it's right across the ocean, if you will. Um, you know, a lot of noodles, a lot of uh, the the, egg, the spring rolls, the lumpia, like that's very Cantonese. Um, and then there's the American influence too, right? Because we were also so much the, yeah. like um, colonizers for some time from the seventies, at least. Yep. Yeah. So much. So uh, you know, the the burgers are big there. Jo- Jolly Bee's like one of the uh, fast food restaurants out of there. There's some here in the U.S. now. I think the closest one is probably like Jersey. Um, yeah, burgers, pizza, fries, like we, we do it all there. Do you still have family back in the Philippines? The majority of my family is, yeah. How did you end up here? Um, through UPMC actually. My mom got a job. Uh, she was a, a nurse and well, that was that. I don't know. Wow. So just randomly picked Pittsburgh or No, I mean we we had family here. Um, my aunt and uncle Lived in Monroeville. Uh, they opened up an ice rink there back in the day, Golden Mile. It's like this. My Whoa. uncle made it from like his bare hand. Literally built it from scratch. Um, so that was like my dad's opportunity. You know what I mean? He 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 kind of worked that there, ran the pro shop. Um, and yeah, that was kind of their. I don't know alley oop into here. Yeah, so there's definitely, like, a tradition of entrepreneurialism in your family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just being creative, doing doing what you love, man. My my uncle built that ice rink just because his kids loved hockey, you know what I mean? And that became a center for hockey in western Pennsylvania. You know, the Penguins practice there. Um, all your, like... Um, I guess the east side schools, your Plums, your Penn Hills, your Woodland Hills, that was their home court. I um, mean, it was cool that, you know, a little Asian dude made all that. But you you never got on the skates or? Oh, yeah. I learned how to skate right after I learned how to walk, man. Wow. Wow. I love ice skating. I haven't been back on, I you know, like, I, I always, I grew up with, like, a pair of Bauer skates that oh, yeah. I think probably, they were probably, like, just before my feet stopped growing. So like right now, I don't think they would fit me. Um, but throughout my, most of my teens and whatever, like I was always skating and a lot of, uh, roller hockey too. Okay. When I was growing up, um, Jew camp, Jewish summer camps in West Virginia. Okay. I'm a Kaufman camp, roller hockey. And then a lot of, um, yeah, loved ice skating. Fantastic. It was more. I think it was bigger for the, for the the females in in our class. Like there were a couple kids. Like there were a couple of the boys in my class who could afford hockey. You know, it was like the expensive sport. It is, yeah. Most of the kids, like most of us, were you know soccer, baseball, maybe a little football. Right, right. Basketball, like the cheap ones where you don't need gear. Right. Yeah, the gear was expensive. <laughs> I obviously had that. Like I said, my dad ran the pro shop at the rink. Um, we. I mean, they they made my parents made it work somehow. I don't know, but it, it was cool. That's what's up. So, did you grow up here, or where? Like, where were you born? I was born in, in McGee. Um, wow! But I grew up in Monroeville. Yeah, yeah. And did you ever live anywhere outside Pittsburgh? Or, um, I lived in Bradford, Pennsylvania, for like two years when I went to college. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. So you got a degree in? Was it? communications music business um, i did not get a degree uh but i did spend four years there which i know i sh- probably should have um but I, I was going for uh biology and like physical therapy at the time 
That's right. I remember something about PT with you. Yeah. Were you working in PT for a little bit while you I were was, like, like shadowing? DJing? Yeah, yeah. Um, shadowing people, just trying to you know see the ropes. I was really into sports medicine. Um, yeah. I love the idea of sports medicine. I have a buddy who I was in med school with who ended up doing, um, I think, emergency medicine. And now he's pivoted to do more concussion work in South Florida. And then I have another friend who's really focused on sports medicine who went the orthopedics route. Yeah, so yeah. He's an orthopedic surgeon, um, finishing his residency at Hammett in Erie. Okay. And he'll be, I think he accepted a position... Uh, in pure sports medicine in South Florida. That's so beautiful, be, yeah. Yeah. I've thought about it a lot. I met with the chief medical officer of the NFL when I was interviewing in um, Philadelphia. Oh, damn. Which was amazing. Yeah. Um, talking about, like, does the gear do anything? Why are we wearing the helmets we're wearing? You know, I had a, somebody I was talking to recently who's a, a big rugby player his whole life. He's long since retired, but he played professionally for a decade. And he's talking about how they don't get any injuries and why. And I was asking him, like, why don't rugby players get injuries? Why don't rugby players have CTE? Why don't rugby players have the rate of career-ending injuries that NFL players have? I mean, it's an interesting question because they don't wear pads. They don't wear helmets. And, you know, the... I think the one main thing that he said that kind of stuck out to me was the there's no stop and start. So in the NFL, you start from a stopping position, you accelerate into a full like a full speed, and then you collide with somebody. Right. Then you recharge, rest. But in you know both soccer and in rugby, the game doesn't stop. It's just a right. continuous kind of movement and flow and pulse. I think that maybe that has to do that has something to do with it. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. It really is. Do you think it's also just like the the mentality too? Like, <laughs> is there like some kind of mutual respect? You know, rugby players have, and we're in the NFL. Everyone just wants to like kill each other, take each other's heads off. I think if maybe I haven't thought about that. I think the when you're wearing a helmet, you know, you're like when when you're wearing pads. I know this from being a skateboarder. So like when I skateboard in a park, I can't really do anything unless I'm wearing pads and it's because I don't have the confidence like right. clearly I have the ability to do the things but I won't even drop in I won't even go down the ramp without a helmet on and I think it's just pure like that extra set of confidence that having that helmet on gives you and so right. maybe that's part of it so you're wearing the all the pads you're gonna go hard and crash Absolutely, into somebody yeah. and take somebody's head off but I don't know. It feels a little barbaric, right? Like, do you think people are going to be playing football the way they're playing right now in 2050? I don't I don't know. It might be even crazier, dude. <laughs> it might, like, start introducing, like, spiked baseball bats and stuff. What about, like, esports or, like, is everything going to be holographic? Is it just going to be cerebral exercises, the the metaverse? It's I all mean, just going to be AI, dude. Everyone's just going to plug something in the chat GBT. And, uh, no, chat GBT is incredible. Nuts, that's how I got the name for this blog, for the podcast. Really? That's cool. I wrote yeah. my business plan for uh, Lumpulary using, using chat, not, not completely, but a little bit, yeah. Do you get some uh, funding from it, from the business plan? For ChatGPT? No, for for Olympia Larry, you got funding based on a ChatGPT generated business plan. Oh no! I'm, if if that's possible, then I'm about to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I assume if you wrote a business plan, it's because you could, you wanted to go to a bank and get a loan. Oh no! Oh oh no no no! Yeah yeah yeah. Um, eventually, yeah yeah yeah. I got you. I thought you meant like if ChatGPT like threw me a couple bucks. <laughs> no, I don't think they're sponsoring anyone right now, but should. Yeah, they they I guess they would have to sponsor our podcast and and your your pop-up. So I want a food truck really bad. I want the um this food truck called Meat and Fruit. So far that's the idea. It's just literally meat and fruit. So it's a ribeye with mango uh tuna steak with avocado a uh 
chicken thigh with papaya. That sounds so good. So dude. far, that's it. Yeah. Like with salt, lime, or lemon, and maybe a little like like a little herb, you know, like a little coriander, oregano, um, uh, something like that. Cilantro. Yeah, that sounds awesome, dude. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. You know, that's my diet in general. You saw you might have seen me eating a, a cheeseburger today, but in general, that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. That's what I feel like the nutrition is. It's not financially where the like bank is, but right. I don't think that's the way to think about things. I think you have to build something that sounds exciting and feels exciting to you and just people will catch up. It'll exactly. become financially viable over time. Exactly. So. That's a great idea, dude. I grew up eating that. Like I grew up eating uh just like fruit and meat and rice. I know I wasn't like I, I was my parents hated baby formula and baby food and all that. So like literally just like rice and fruit and meat, dude, that's a genius idea, man. I think the, you know, the fillers are, are like people will realize, you know, like that when you go to Chipotle and they're just filling up your bowl with rice and beans and then just like giving you a little tiny half scoop of meat, it's not healthy. And it's probably the reason that America is obese right. and sick. and it's, you know, people will catch on. I think the democratization of information is the newest revolution. That's what we're living through. And you can only keep stuff hidden from people for so long. Right. The, the truth will out. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and it's, it's common. I mean, like the whole Epstein thing, I think, you know, like, um, the the leaker for Ukraine, the guy yep. who dropped all this, you know. Oh, by the way, there are U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine. Yeah, wow. No, nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about it. But it's like that's the next like revolution right now, information revolution for sure. And it gets spread so fast. We were just talking about Twitter, man, and that that's live news. It's so so fast. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. And information is is the next is is. Oh man, it's just spreading, man. Yeah, pour me up on it. Let's talk about um, DJing a little bit. Yeah, let's get it. So, how did you get started? And was it Bonix or do you want to? Oh, geez, I poured myself a little thick. That's <laughs> all right. Do you want to um, tell the story of how you met Bonix and kind of, or is that is that part of your like? It's part of it, man. DJ it birth story. Yeah, it is. Um, it was Bonix, it was Qbert, it was um, Shortcut, like all those dudes, pretty much all the, all the Filipino dudes, man. Because um, growing up, I, I never had anyone that looked like me on TV, <clears throat> excuse me, on TV, um, on the radio, whatever, that I could be like, yo, like that dude, besides like Manny Pacquiao, but I wasn't going to be a professional boxer, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I stumbled on... Uh, some invisible scratch pickles VHS. I forget ex- exactly what it was, but it was one of those joints where, like, you know, Cuba's wearing like a crazy costume and just scratching his ass off. And I was just like, wow. Um, like, I, I, I want to do this. I saw, I saw him talking and, you know, kind of taking these samples and chopping them up with a fader, almost like he was like rapping, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm like, yo, I want to do that. Um, I already had a music background, you know, I played guitar, violin, piano growing up and, um, you know, I was in my like punk era, if you will, you know, kind of turning a side eye to the classical music that I, you know, grew up on and I'm just like, I want to do something different. Um, and I saw the turntable is that instrument. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, just started going out and Southside was really like the popping place for nightlife at the time. Um, I was like 18, 19, 20, sneaking into, you know, S bar to watch. Oh, wow. That's now, probably where we met, right? Probably. At yeah. some point. Um, Do you remember when Riz came or yeah, Tina yeah, T? Yeah. I'm sure Riz came a few times like Nugget and, and Zimmy used to bring folks out. It's kind of sad. Like there's not really that culture anymore in pittsburgh right i mean and are in, you bringing general guest djs to oh yeah um but it's, a, it's, a, it's a different now, vibe or? it's not that open format 
really cool like creative DJing anymore. It's really strictly like, oh, all I play is house music. <laughs> um, but is- why? Why can't we have like if DJ AM rose from the grave today and just like showed up in the south side? You don't think that it would burn the house down? You don't think people would lose their minds? I mean, I, I we would, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, of but the 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 public now is just so uh, I don't know. And I love house music, man. Like, I, I, I you know, one of my mentors uh, besides Bonix was a uh, DJ Strobe, Eric, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I learned that art form through him. It's it's obviously a different style than open format hip hop DJing, but it, you know, there there is an art to it. Um, but I guess that's just you know, it's just a new trend, man. Is that more of the music that you're bringing to Cobra? It's, I mean, it, yeah. it seems like it, right? Yeah, it's yeah, more electronic music, electronic, a lot of like, uh, if anything, like you know, the, the disco night is like the the cool night or whatnot. But it's a lot of electronic. What um, what is like the schedule right now for um, events there? Uh, so we have a rotating residency um, kind of program going on. Um, I forget what exactly are the days, but uh, Honey has a night there. She does this uh, hip hop night, all female MCs, which is fire. Whoa! Um, we have uh, everything the light touches, which is Josh Orange and Royal Haunts. They're both younger cats out in the city, super talented producers, DJs. Um, high energy man, super high energy from the rip. It's it's really fun to watch. Um, we also have Long Turn does a night there, Long Turn Music. Um, known those boys for a really long time. They're smart dudes, very business-minded, but also very tasteful at the same time. And um, they bring in a lot of the up-and-coming electronic talent. Um, I'm missing someone else, but yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So how much fun has it been to have your own place that you can book out? That- it's so cool, man, because... When I was coming up, I was I was a little little punk dude. Like I was getting fired from all these places in Southside for playing hip hop, dude. <laughs> Literally, man. Um, we don't want that element. We don't want that element here, right? Yeah, we, we're trying to avoid that element. It's like say it in a slightly more racist way. I'd, oh, I'd be I've, interested. I've heard that, I've heard that one. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be interested if. It, wow, wow. Yeah, but it's cool, man, because uh, you get to provide this this platform for these kids that you know we probably didn't have um you have a beautiful space probably the one of the best if not the best sound system in town um which is what function it's audio or void void yeah void acoustics did you have somebody come in and set it up or yeah we had to it was a whole process man like uh they're a little bit easier to get now you know three four years down the road but initially when we first opened um we had to get them straight from the source in europe um, you know, they had to bring like a licensed guy in to spec it out and tune everything. So it was, it was quite the process. That's what's up. Do you, I mean, if you have like that level of sound system, could you have some like bigger names come through or have you thought about it? Like doing more, I don't know, like, um, destination kind of nights. Yeah. I mean, we, we have, uh, I guess this was pre pandemic, but, um, I guess post pandemic we've we've had a lot of uh big artists come through too but it's just all whatever fits the vibe it's not uh we we pride ourselves in you know not necessarily being a nightclub it's more of a lounge yeah yeah um, which pittsburgh needs yeah i mean it probably needs both right there's like what cavo and maybe foxtail i'm thinking of the Fox, clubs I thought, I thought foxtail was gone no i thought they, they came back <laughs> they they bounced back. <laughs> they bounced back. I thought they closed like literally. I thought it was like last week, but I, I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I mean I remember when they had to shut down briefly. Right. But I'm pretty sure they bounced back. I know uh Jay Spin was playing there for a second. Okay. Um, but Cavo, Digital Dave at Cavo, and like strobe before him, right? For right. years. And then what are the other clubs? That's honestly all I can think of, dude. I mean, otherwise, strip district has changed, and that used to be like the uh, mm-hmm. epicenter and and uh, Station Square. Yeah, Station oh, Square yeah. was amazing. Oh, yeah. Bar Station room Square, and Zen. Zen. Yeah, Matrix. Matrix. Oh, that was a little bit before my time, but all the stories I heard. There, you never man, went damn. to Matrix? No, oh, they had yeah. four rooms. Each room was a different genre. 
So they had like the front room was all open format. Then you kept going. It was reggae. Then you went go, kept going. It was house and electronic music. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but we were always at bar room cause that's where Bonix was right. DJing. He did Thursday night, like, um, like, uh, live broadcasts for 96 one kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Scotro was working Scottro, the, yep. the tech and he was playing lick me like a lollipop <laughs> extended intro mm-hmm. and the, fun- uh, the funky mix. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Kanye Kanye remix. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he would let me, he would let me rock. So that's, that was kind of like the first time I ever really DJed for a crowd for any crowd. And it was, you know, a thousand people at bar room. Yeah. That's nuts, man. Yeah. I miss DJing. Do you, are you playing out at all or mostly busy? Uh, I play occasionally. I, I do. Like I said, just the, I get to pick and choose and I'm, I'm grateful that I kind of get to, you know, pick and choose my battles, but yeah, I play out. I, I do mostly food centric stuff. I'll do a, I do a dim sum brunch. I'm doing that tomorrow at parlor. Um, corporate events stuff like that man that's smart yeah i like the food centric idea too this is my idea see if you want to um take me up on this oh let's go you can you can make it happen called stone age brunch possibly stoned age brunch but i think stone is better and it's technology free brunch so like check your phone in at the door or something yep bag the phones it's all 45s bring in bus crates bring in people from out of town that, that collect and play 45s. Maybe we allow like do 12 inches occasionally, but in general, like a 45 night where it's just turntables, no computers, no tech, give out Polaroid cameras on the tables. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. But I feel like a lot of people get anxiety without their phones. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> that's, that's the point. Yeah. Like, no, we, we'd have security and stuff. It's not like... Everyone has their own, like, little personal phone locker. Like, tech log. You put your Apple Watch and your phone in there. Yeah, it'd be the same way that... Um, the, did you see um, Dave Chappelle or any, like... Have you seen Dave Chappelle live in the mm. last 10 years? Five, no, ten years. I've, I've never seen them live, actually. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's the first time I saw it happen. I think I've done it maybe one other time since, also for a comedy show. Okay. And that's, it works perfectly. I mean, they give you your phone back. It's just in, like, a little magnetic locker, so it doesn't ring. Interesting. Yeah, okay. it's dope. That's wild. Okay. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that sounds like a good idea, man, just to bring it back, because uh, it's really, I was watching, like, um, like Coachella streams and stuff, and it's so weird. It's brutal. Just has their phone. It's brutal. Yeah, it gives me anxiety to be standing behind a hundred cell phones. I'm thinking about it because I'm going to Detroit in you know two weeks. I'll be at the Movement Festival for yeah, my twentieth yeah. year. Movement. When when did they change from Demp to Movement? Because I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's I mean that's cool that you remember Demp. It it was probably like 2009, 2010, oh, okay. something somewhere in there. And there was another name too. Um, I don't know if I'll, I'll come up with it, but let's see. Detroit Electronic Music Festival movement. It was something power or something. Okay. And um, just for like one year. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that festival is a lot better for it. I will say just because it's all techno people and most people have their acts together. Like, right. for example, when's the last time you went to a music festival and there were no totems at all? Like, no flags, no totems. Yeah, right. That's movement. Yeah. There's none. Right. Like, if somebody holds one up, they're just like... Right. <laughs> they get taken care of. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Detroit is very friendly. It's a very friendly place. A sure. loving place, which is yeah. why it has such a loving reputation. Sure. Have no. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Detroit's, Detroit's so dope. Have you traveled to uh, DJ much? or Not recently, man. Um, like I said, pre the world ending, like I was everywhere, man. I, I had residencies outside of, outside of town a month, you know. Philly, D.C., New York, whatever. I play South by Southwest every year in Austin. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of just uh, in, in monk mode right now, just uh, – 
trying trying to find out the why again. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, I don't know. So you lose it. You know, it just happens. It's natural. Um, so I'm just, uh, you know, in my, in my shell trying to trying to find out that why. The things that excited you were like like scratch culture, like and maybe making edits or mashups or do you think that that has like maybe it's the actual music itself that's changed and it wasn't necessarily the pandemic or your motivation it was like the pop the popular music and the sound of music maybe shifted yeah yeah i mean it's it's a culmination of all that man um yeah you're right i mean just the kind of like the scratch scene not being as prevalent in dj culture um and the edits and all that but yeah i mean we're still doing it keeping it moving do you collect mp3s oh yeah i'm still like i said i'm still practicing you know when i can not every day we'll say every other day still downloading shit you know um still buying vinyl nice nice do you buy 45s or 12 inch lps like i'm just record store hit up jerry's hit up half price books whatever just trying to find some cool shit yeah, have you have you made music? Um, not recently, man. I used to be, I used to do that every day. I mean, during lockdown and even a little bit afterwards. Um, you know, playing guitar. I I had this like little cool loop setup I had in my old apartment where uh, you know, I could loop guitar beats and then layer a scratch on top of it. Maybe like drum something out on a drum pad. Um, and that was cool, but. I don't know. I don't know if it was just reach or not getting that gratification. Um, but I don't know. Just kind of faded out. It's really hard to keep doing something if you're not feeling that people are connecting with it. Right. I think the thing that's been most exciting, you know, while it's been great catching up with a bunch of old friends and meeting new people on the podcast, the thing that's been exciting about it is how people are getting engaged is how it's just, like you know ramping up every yeah. episode is more 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 That's more cool. people interested more people getting involved more people hitting me up to try to come hang and um it's weird because it's it's kind of like a pandemic project right but i'm not interested in doing it remote so it's not ever going to be the phenom you know take five whatever right like i'm in texas you're in la thing yeah it's only going to be in person right right and so i guess that saves it a little bit from being that you know yeah we we moved on right thing um and for me it's it's a lot of it is about sound quality but i think it's more than that right it's about being somewhere with somebody else for a period of time one thousand percent yeah one thousand percent and like making room for that yes for that personal what about um like uh your personal life you living by yourself? <laughs> no, I'm actually back with the parents. My mom had double knee surgery Oof. maybe like a year and a half ago. So um, that kind of just feeds into, like I said before, just being in the monk mode, trying to find out the why. Um, you know, been out the crib for 15, 10 years, whatever. So it's cool to be back um, helping them out because they obviously helped me out for so much. Um yeah, just building a, a good relationship again, because uh, ours, our relationship definitely wasn't super strong. I got kicked out of the crib for smoking weed, you know, at young age and whatever. But you know, we're finding our similarities, um, learning from their struggles, their wins, their mistakes, and seeing you know a mirror of that to myself um, is really healing, if you will. Um, you know, uh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I really want to have a chance to live either with or close to my parents again at some point. You know, I did it after I graduated college, which I think is a pretty like standard story, especially right. since they were in Pittsburgh and I had just finished at Pitt. Um, but something about like actually being an adult now, I feel like I'd get a lot more out of it. I'd be able to learn a lot more from them. So We'll see what happens. Yeah. I think at least what I'm going to do is, so right now I'm starting to look for a new job and 
what I'll do is I'll put in my contract a stipulation that I'm not starting work until a month or two after I finish this job. Right. It's just like, look, I'm I'm going to go hang out with my parents for a month. Yeah. I'm going to eat dinner with my mom every day for 30 days. Right. And just see what I learn. Yeah. Because it's going to be a lot. It is, man. And like I said, it's that mirror, dude. Like, you see these things, their mannerisms, even like the way... Um, they inter- you know, your parents interact with each other the way they show affection. Like you just see, like, oh my god, it just opens up this like box of like things that are like, you know, whether good or bad, it's just cool to see that reflection and to kind of just ponder on that and be like, oh, okay, you know, this is what I learned, and this is why I do this, you know. Well, yeah, I think you're exactly right. We're we're such genetic creatures it's it's very much more genetic than we want to think about and it's not just them right it's their parents their ancestors and their ancestors and when we're acting we're not acting with our own will we're acting with this force that's kind of ancient Mm -hmm. and you're you're so right that if you have an opportunity to learn about it and figure out where it comes from and why you behave the way you behave, I think it's that's so critical. Yeah. That's brilliant. Nice. Oh here, man. <laughs> All right. Let's uh lay some cuts for these folks. All right. Good talking, man. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> 